I did not spoil your stupid movie. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not spoil it. I did not. Oh, hi, Peril Pals. Oh, hi, Mark. This is Diabolical. The comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's movie is The Citizen Kane of Bad Movies, 2003's The Room. So button up your tuxedo, toss the old pigskin around, and let's get diabolical. Welcome to the show. As usual, I'm here with three hopeless romantics who did not hit her. It's bullshit. They did not. Oh, hi, panel of peril. <laughs> Please introduce yourselves and tell us what is your favorite movie with writer, actor, and director credits for the same person. And we'll start with the Skinner Master. Hello, Cinemaster here, and I'm going to say my favourite is Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Oh. It's a movie that I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was, and it was fantastic. Um, Pisses himself on stage, doesn't he? he? He what, sorry? Pisses himself on stage, doesn't he? Yeah, well, that's the thin end of the wedge, really, that movie, isn't it? So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's a, it's a really great film, and it just shows off how accomplished he is in the world of movie making. Wow. Did he direct that, did he? He did yeah. it, direct it, starred and wrote it, yeah, co-wrote it. Yeah. Did he write the theme, theme tune? Sing the theme tune? Yeah. Oh, yeah. jinx. <laughs> Have you seen the other versions of A Star is Born, or is that your first birth of a star that you've witnessed? Uh, I was there at the beginning, at the Big Bang, so I saw all that as well. So, like, there's a Chris Christopher someone, isn't there? Is there? Like, have you seen that? No, you know, I was. Yeah. I was only present at the Big Bang. That was it. I missed everything else. Not missed much. <laughs> All right, Quake. Hello, Craig here. My favourite film, where the same person shares credits for writer, actor, and director, is a film that I've mentioned on the podcast before. It's a 1981 film, starring, written by, and directed by Warren Beatty. It's Reds. Yeah, starts off as like, um, what if when Harry met Sally was made by Francis Ford Coppola, and then becomes the tale of the birth of the American Communist Party, and it's really good. Ah, very <laughs> good. An old uh, red under the bed, old Beatty. Yeah, he was a bit of a powerhouse back then, wasn't he? He was on a bit of a run, yeah. Parallax View, also fantastic. And Gaz, share with us your thoughts, won't you? I'm Gaz, and um, oh, let's say, <laughs> hmm, let's say Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, written directed by David Lynch. That's what I thought you were going to say. Well, I was going to say Django Unchained, but it's not even my favourite Tarantino film. No, and he's barely in Although it. Although his performance is hilarious in that. It is pretty good. Oh, he's very funny there with his crap Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did nearly pick Firewalk with me, though. And it is great. It's a dark, depressing, horrible film. (laughs) But it has David Bowie in it. Sure does. And (laughs) David Lynch doing his crazy Gordon Cole shouting thing. So it's still quite funny to me. Bits of it are anyway. You'll have to speak louder. I can't (laughs) hear you. Adjusting his dial constantly. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) And my favourite movie with writer, actor and director credits for the same person is probably What We Do in the Shadows, mm-hmm. which actually has those credits for Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah, of course. But I also have a soft spot for Garden State, uh, uh, which was Zachary written, Braff. directed and starring Zach Braff. Yeah, I do like that film as well. Yeah, I liked it. Hmm. don't know why, but it hasn't got a great reputation. No. I think most people just think Zach Braff's a bit of a douchebag now, don't they? Yeah, well, it's not the film's fault, is it? The populace turned against him. <laughs> Why? What's he done? 
or not done. Uh, Left scrubs. <laughs> I know he tried to do a Kickstarter for his follow-up to Garden yeah. State, which pissed a lot of people off for some reason. Not entirely sure why. I guess because he's already famous and could secure funding in other ways, whereas a lot of people who use Kickstarter, that's kind of their only avenue to funding. Maybe it's that. Yeah. Uh, well, screw them. I like that movie. Yeah. Later, we'll be competing to see who can come up with the most diabolical scheme and earn precocious peril points for the Season 4 leaderboard. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie. Written by, directed by, produced by, and starring mysterious auteur Tommy Wiseau, The Room is a wildly disjointed film that has become beloved for its unintentional humour, wooden acting, and bizarre plot twists. It follows the story of Johnny, a wealthy banker who is betrayed by his best friend Mark and his future wife Lisa. But far more interesting than the questionable plot is the story of how it gained cult status. Wizzo, an independently rich entrepreneur, was fed up of being rejected for every part he auditioned for and decided to fund his own movie, adapting a script he originally wrote for the stage. The shoot was plagued by mass cast and crew firings, inexplicable creative decisions, and take after take after take, as Wiesel repeatedly forgot the lines he wrote himself. <laughs> Upon release in the summer of 2003, it managed a two-week run at only two theatres, reportedly grossing $1,900, somewhat below its estimated $6 million budget. <laughs> Six million? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now... After failing to secure a wider release, The Room became a word-of-mouth sensation in Hollywood, as celebrities like Judd Apatow, Paul Rudd and Kristen Bell attended its monthly midnight showings, organised private viewings and shared stories of its ludicrous production. It even went on to spawn The Disaster Artist, a book about the making of the film, that was adapted for the big screen by James and Dave Franco in 2017. Today, The Room holds a status similar to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, sporting an endless run of showings around the world, where fans dress in tuxedos, quote the film's nonsensical script, hurl spoons at the screen, and generally worship Wizau and the other cast members. It's a film that's close to my heart, as it was introduced to me by my brother Sam, to whom I'd like to dedicate this episode. With awkward, never-ending sex scenes, incoherent dialogue, and vanishing subplots and characters, The Room, in this sexy podcaster's opinion, is the best worst movie ever made. But does the panel agree? Gaz, did this movie make you want to slip out of your tux and make sweet, sweet love on satin bedsheets? Or did it make you want to rub a negligee on your crotch before offing yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh, neither, in all fairness. <laughs> didn't, didn't really do anything for me sexually, but... What it did do is make me laugh a lot. It's debatable whether someone like Tommy Wiseau should gain financial recompense or fame or notoriety of any kind for a mm-hmm. film this incompetently made. Yeah. But it is a laugh, right, for just how appallingly bad it is. Like you mentioned, the sex scenes, there's like three within about the first 15 minutes and there's reused <laughs> shots in them. He's like, he's thrusting basically into her diaphragm. It's about the height that yeah. he's at. Yeah, yeah. I said a belly button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're crumbling roses onto each other, pulling the petals off and giggling every single time. Which <laughs> is is that something anybody's ever actually done? People seem to be having dialogue exchanges within their own heads rather than with each other. Just like they're not talking to each other. They're just talking. Yeah. They just happens to be in the same room. Yeah. Ironically enough, maybe that's why it's called the room. I said it should have been called the roof because that's where most of this fucking takes place on that roof. And the R and B that plays on all the sex scenes is all cheesy. Oh my god. Cheap R and B. I will, I will, I will, I will. I I was quite annoyed at having to watch it when it first came up, but I did I did enjoy it for just how shocking it truly is, having not seen it 
before. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a rite of passage for any movie fan. Just compare it with what's out there. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. All right, Craig, what were your thoughts? Well, you get these movies, don't you, that people say, you know, it's so bad, it's good. And uh, this isn't it. Holy shit, this is a <laughs> tedious film. <laughs> I was surprised that Gaz said uh, it didn't do anything for him sexually because it made me bored of sex. I mean, now I understand <laughs> why Gen Z hates gratuitous sex scenes in films. I, I don't know. I've seen all of the funny bits before, I think maybe is the problem. Because I've seen The Disaster Artist before and I've seen on YouTube like the flower shop scene and the Ohio Mark and all that. So when it came to actually watching it... There's a hell of a lot more than that. When it came to actually watching it all in situ for me, I just was so fucking bored and I just thought this is dire. (laughs) Not even like so bad it's good. I just wasn't enjoying it at all. And it's poorly made. I know he talks about it now and he says like it's a dark comedy Bollocks. Uh, but that that was a very much an afterthought. It definitely wasn't. Yeah, no, wasn't. no, no. There's no way. I thought that at first, again, because I've been watching so much Twin Peaks, at first I was like, oh, this is shot like a soap opera. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's like a Lynchian touch. But no, it's not. It's just bad. And uh, <laughs> there's so much fucking ADR in it. Like, even of the cuts that made it into the film, his dialogue delivery must have been so bad. They had to go and do it again. Because almost every scene is uh, is dubbed. Yeah, I did find some of it funny, and again, obviously, it's not intentionally funny. Some bits that I didn't know about it. One of the main ones being that immediately from the outset, Tommy Wiseau looks like he wants to hit Lisa. Like it just the way he looks at her. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'd believe if she said that he hit her because he looks like he wants to fucking kill her. Maybe she was one of the problems on the set. Uh, yeah, he does have a, a very distinctive look, Tommy Wiseau. Do you know about the billboard that he put up for the movie? I, I think no. so. I think I, maybe because because I said I have seen the disaster artist. I didn't like that either. I can't stand those guys. Fucking the smug pack. It was a, yeah. That was a, it was a shame. It wasn't done as well as it could have been. But the book is yeah. excellent. It's really there's a lot of heart. Yeah, in I it. heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's written by Mark, isn't it? Yeah, Greg. So the billboard Tommy Wiseau rented to promote the film in like Central Hollywood is about five thousand dollars a month, I think. Or perhaps a week, I forget. But That's that... where the budget went. <laughs> no, he paid totally separate, and it was there for like five years. And it was Jesus. it was a picture of the cover of the room. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a black and white picture. It was very close yeah. up on Wazell's eyes. Yeah. And then it just yeah. said the room, and then a number to call. No one knew it was a film. No one knew what the hell it was for. <laughs> it's this yeah. terrifying billboard just up in a Hollywood. Place where you can go to be killed. <laughs> yeah, it was there for. I think it was a good five years. It was up there. It became a bit a, a, like a little landmark in LA. Yeah, I thought I'd enjoy the shitness of it more, but I don't know. I, it just didn't do anything for me. I found it very tedious. <laughs> All right, Cinemaster, what say you? Well, I say, <laughs> how did he spend $6 million on this film? I, I thought, you know, he it, it, it would have paid him, like all the actors like 500 each. Built the set himself, or got his mate to build the set. You know, he was a carpenter or something like that. The roof's green screen, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just terrible. But it, it, the, the 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 top bits, the yeah, the wall on the on the roof look a bit polystyrene and stuff like that. But then everything, the, the wardrobe budget just looks like a charity shop budget. <laughs> nothing, nothing fits anybody particularly. Well, those very tuxedos. Well. Those tuxedos. <laughs> I think that was another. Charity shop find, and they were very lucky. Or maybe that was where you know maybe three million dollars of the of the budget actually went. Everything else, some of the wardrobe choices are crazy. At one point, he's wearing like a suit jacket and combats for some reason. Um, uh, <laughs> They're his own just, clothes. Yeah, that's how he dresses just, all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just absolute madness from the from the get go. But you think, am I watching Red Shoe Diaries here? Is this like? <laughs> yeah. But then it obviously becomes immediately obvious he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. You know, not just making a film, but also making love. Uh, it's, it's just absolutely shocking. But at the same time, it's like. It was really weird because you, you the, for the whole film, I was just like, I wanted it to finish. But then there were so many bits where I was just pissing myself laughing, going, this has got to be it now. It's got, to, it's got to level out at some point. But it doesn't. It just keeps crashing through floor after floor after floor after floor. 
and <laughs> it, it's 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 wonderful. It's you, you can't drag yourself away, but at the same time, it is absolutely appalling. And there's just so many talking points, which I'm sure we'll we'll probably all get into. But I've I've made so many notes, and I was just tired at the end. Like I thought, I'm not going to bother writing any more notes now. There's, there's no, I don't need them. Who's the quotes that my my list my my oh, list of quotes just yeah. was never ending? How many quotes are we allowed this week? Because <laughs> we think we should be all allowed two or three at least. <laughs> Where did your notes end? Because mine ended after Johnny and Mark are fighting at the party and it gets defused. But then Lisa and Mark are just like openly fondling each other in front of everybody, and nobody <laughs> yeah. says anything about it. <laughs> and that's my last note. I just my... stopped making notes then. <laughs> I've got two. I've got a quote as my penultimate note, but then I've just written in the end. Oh, thank merciful God, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Craig brought it up there, but the roof—it was indeed a green screen. Mm. And uh, during production, they they hired a, obviously a, a studio, and the top of the studio had a roof that looked exactly like that. And Tommy saw it and said, "Yeah, this is perfect." build that down on the floor down there <laughs> and, and the crew that he'd have was like well why don't we just use this rooftop and he goes no let's build it down there i want a green screen and then i see green screen they wanted san francisco to be uh projected there i suppose it's quite responsible of him to not film on a roof where it could potentially be dangerous and you know you could get a lot of noise for the takes and stuff like that and the sex scenes that he said you know don't look realistic maybe he was just being his own intimacy coordinator making sure his tackle didn't get anywhere near Lisa's box. You know? well, he, he definitely was his own intimacy coordinator. He loves a bit of the Golden Gate Bridge, doesn't he? He's zooming in on it. He's panning from left to right, right to left a couple of times. It's just like, why does he keep doing it? That, that was all stock footage. None, none of that was taken. Oh, for the, for the God, show. he absolutely loves it. It's no. a very, very reminiscent of Edward, what he was up to, using stock footage, you know, using sets when yeah. he could have used exteriors just having no idea basically that's exactly it and that, that's i think that's why you know it is one of those where you you watch it and, it, and you, you kind of laugh at how ridiculous it is but the reason why i suppose i connect with it is i see that there was a man who just wanted to to create something he yeah. had this burning desire to create something and he put his whole heart and his soul into it but he just didn't quite make it yeah, but it's that heart that there. It's not like a bad movie that's been made by a studio and it's just there's meddling, there's no heart in it. The heart's been ripped from it by studio or rewrites or whatever. Yeah, you you can still see the heart there. It's just uh, the execution of the idea was not great. He's the personification of more money than sense. <laughs> One of the things, presumably, this is in the screenplay, and and just the fact they didn't look at it and edit it out is how many times they repeat the exact same conversation between Lisa and her mother. Yeah. He's, He's got great. loads of money. He's, so He's great. He's getting a promotion. <laughs> He's great. What's your problem? Marion is great. He's your husband. Yeah. Marion. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's he's got this incredibly brilliant job. He live, but he lives in a very modest apartment, and all he ever does is buy his missus roses. Yeah, every fucking day. Sorry, modest apartment. <laughs> it's got a spiral staircase. That's the ultimate luxury. Yeah, it's not. It's not very sturdy, though, is it? Yeah, a place like that <laughs> in a city like that would cost shitloads, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, San Francisco prices are crazy. Yeah, but um, yeah, obviously he's not a native English speaker. Is he not? But he's written this. He's written the script in, in, in English, which, you know, mm. a lot of it was edited on set by, I'm not sure if it's the, the second director or someone that was assisting him, mm. uh, Sandy Sinclair. He he did an awful lot of the work on set. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Just let Tommy do it his way. Perhaps. <laughs> so before I ask you for your highlights and favourite lines, we're going to play a little game I'm calling the Oh Hi Jeopardy Like Quiz Game. I have several categories for you, each with a question related to the room. You'll get a chance to pick a category and answer a question. The categories are... The six million dollar question. I van to suck your blood. Hi, doggy. Spoon. And... All play. And just remember, everybody, all play is not a category. It's, it means everybody plays, okay? <laughs> That's so obvious. No one else needs to know that. <laughs> Cinemaster, pick a category. 
Go for the $6 million question, please. Okay. Considering most of the movie takes place in the eponymous room, a different room, and a rooftop, what did the lion's share of the $6 million budget go into? It's got to be the green screen and the set building for that, surely. That was a big chunk of it. Basically, the production costs, Mm. specifically camera-related production costs. So Wizow decided to shoot the film both in 35mm film and digital, side by side. Hmm. It was the cusp of the turnover between digital and and film. He didn't know which one was better, so he filmed both, uh, which required a custom-built apparatus, double crew, and instead of renting the cameras, he decided to buy them. Lunatic. Yeah. Absolute madman. Yeah. A huge chunk of the budget uh, went on that. say again, more money than cents. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's a very mysterious figure and kind of little known that's confirmed mm. about his past. But he moved to America to live with his aunt and uncle is what is what the theory is. And, you know, he came from nothing and he worked his way up and and became independently rich. Mm. Still not quite the Arnold Schwarzenegger story, is it? Not quite. All right. Craig, pick a category. How? What else could the ghost of Count Sacula pick, but I want to suck your blood. <laughs> okay. After shooting the rooftop scene in which drug dealer Chris R demands money Chris from R. Denny, <laughs> Wazow liked the drug dealer so much, stating he's such a good character like Al Capone, he wanted to make the confrontation more spectacular. Can you tell me what ideas Wazow had in mind before he ran out of time at the end of the shoot? Well, based on the category, I assume he wanted to turn Chris R into some kind of vampire. (laughs) Not too far off, not too far off. He wanted a a much longer fight that would have seen Johnny knock the guy's gun off the roof somehow. And then, to make it more spectacular still... Johnny wanted to drive his car off the roof. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Tommy wanted Johnny to drive his car off the roof and not crash, but fly into the sky. <laughs> the logic being that he is a vampire. <laughs> 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 kind of like Greece, but I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. That makes no sense whatsoever. So well, I wondered why that scene was in the movie at all. And I, I wondered, is it the drug dealer's gun that Johnny kills himself with. Oh, that's interesting. I'd never put that together, but it could be. Because otherwise, what's the point of it? It absolutely has no oh, I wouldn't worry about. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about trying to find a point in that. Drugs? You're doing drugs, Denny? Drugs? You're doing drugs? What kind drugs? of money? Drugs? What kind of money? <laughs> pa- paper money or metal money? <laughs> Hi, right, Gaz. Pick a category from the board, please. I'll go for all play. Now, you understand. Well, we're going to do that anyway, so pick another one. Oh, You're yeah. going to do that anyway? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say. That happened last time when I picked it. I'll go for <laughs> Hello, Dog. You mean Hi, Doggy? Yeah. I gave it a little all twist. Right. I gave it the old Gaz twist. <laughs> oh, and that's why we pay you the big bucks. The old gas dingers. <laughs> During the flower shop scene, Johnny says, Hi, doggy. True. This line was improvised because Wazow only became aware of the dog mid take, despite it being there for the entire setup of the shot. <laughs> True or false? Hmm. True. It's got to be, yeah. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> the scene was filmed at a real flower shop near Wizzell's property in San Francisco. The woman behind the counter was the actual owner, who Wizzell knew and convinced to be in the film. You're my favourite customer. <laughs> <laughs> and a great guy. <laughs> right. The all play, considering we've discussed the very, very awkward sex scenes, how old was Juliet Danielle, who played Lisa, when the room was shot? Mm. The closest answer takes it. Um, 22. Yeah. 23. 22. Well, the Cinemaster and Craig take it. She was 20 years old. And she'd just moved to LA with her mum and sister. And she was initially cast in the supporting role of Michelle, Lisa's friend. But after the original Lisa was fired 
for mm-hmm. uh, having a strange accent and not quite fitting. Um, <laughs> Danielle was promoted to the leading role, but she's since said that, you know, obviously it was uh, not the best experience for her. And then when she sat down at the premiere with her mum, the very, very long, awkward sex scenes yeah. made it very a, a very hard watch. God, oh, yeah. But her mum kept saying, He's a great guy. He's got, he's got a great job. A promotion coming up. So what's, what was the spoon question going to be about? And why did people send spoons to him? I missed the Mr. Spoon bit. So throwing spoons at the screen has become a regular part of the screenings of the room around the world. Why? But why spoons? Any guesses from the, from the cheap seats? Rhymes with room. Is it an award, an award they got? A wooden spoon? or the... oh, That's a good guess. Gaz, any thoughts? Um, because he's got a weird flat face like the tick, whose battle cry is spoon. <laughs> spoon! <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent guess as well. But no, there are photos of spoons decorating the eponymous room. Oh. And so the crew begged Tommy to let them dress the set because it was so bare and they wanted to make it feel more lived in. And so he agreed to spare us some budget for photo frames. But then he didn't extend that for the photos to go with them. <laughs> so he told them to use the, the placeholder images that came with the frames, which just happened to be spoons. <laughs> and so what people do now in the screenings in the cinema, they take plastic spoons, you know, they're like disposable spoons, and they just launch them at the screen every time they see spoons. And they're shouting, spoon! <laughs> <laughs> People are complaining about the Taylor Swift audiences. You know, imagine being sat in a room with these fuckers. Well, no, you yeah. go for that. I don't. Specifically for that. <laughs> People don't go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show and say, can you just tone down the costume and the dancing? No. Yeah. I don't think no. they throw anything at the screen, though, in Rocky Horror, do they? And they enjoy <laughs> themselves and get up and have a dance. What they should do is have some banter that you can't follow and is bizarre and then push each other into some bins. They kind of do that. Yeah. People do wear tux- tuxedos, and people throw American footballs around the audience. And they quote the lines. A bit like standing a foot away from each other. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, oh, watch out. Oh, oh, oh. It's become a very community experience. Yeah. God Almighty. Okay, let's move on to our favourite moments. Craig, I'll ask you to kick us off. What was your favourite or most incredulous moment? My most incredulous moment, I'll say, is the sex scene that isn't involving either Lisa or Johnny. It's a guy that I've named Chuck Fuck Mike. (laughs) And Chuck Fuck Mike uses Johnny's house or something because Lisa's a real estate agent. I don't fucking know. can't remember. But just some, some randos come into the house and start fucking on the couch. And just his yeah. stupid gurning face, Chuck Fuck Mike's sex face, is uh, <laughs> my low. <laughs> Did you have a high? But yeah, I guess probably my favourite scene that I had seen before this is just that flower shop scene, because that's fucking hilarious. It's amazing. Yeah. Battering through as much meaningless dialogue as quickly as you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just the speed of it. Yeah. It's like George Lucas was directing it faster, more intense. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is ADR as well. Yeah. <laughs> kind of odd. They managed to not capture the mouth for any of the lines. <laughs> All right. Cinemaster, what was your favorite or most incredulous moment? I'd say it's got to be the football in the park with just him and Mark playing together in the park and, and then they're just making noises and then wrestling at the same time and, and it's like and stuff like that so it's like oh, you know? things that friends do that was like simultaneously the high point and the low point for me that one because that's great it's just balmy it's absolutely balmy but it's it's so great that it just you just it just lifts you up completely as well so so the actor who played Mark was actually Tommy's good friend in real life. They met at acting yeah. class and Tommy had already been in this acting class for a long time. Uh, Greg Sestero, who plays Mark, joined the acting class and immediately noticed that no one wanted to be a scene partner with Tommy. So he kind of felt sorry for him and uh, and they became friends. Greg Sestero agreed to produce the film with Tommy, but he said he wouldn't be in it because his acting career was starting to take off. And I think he was in a film called 
Puppet Master 3, maybe something like that. He'd just done a film right. anyway. Yeah. And I think Tommy had this planned all along, but he fired the actor playing Mark right before the shoot began and kind of begged Greg to join the film. So he did, but he did not agree to take his pants off, which is why in the sex scene with Lisa, he's still wearing his jeans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gaz, your favorite or most incredulous moment. It's hard to kind of pick one without picking your favorite line, isn't it? But mm. a moment that I really, really laughed at is at the party and Lisa just suddenly says, in order to be alone with Mark, hey, everybody, let's go outside and get some fresh air. And then <laughs> Tommy Wiseau proceeds to film every last fucker leaving through that door. Instead of just <laughs> the door being closed. They're just silently filing out in a static camera shot of people walking through a door for a good 20 seconds, I would say. And you're just like, what What are you doing? It's like Partridge falling short on his walk on this time. Just the clump of things <laughs> <laughs> silently proceeding out. Just absolute nonsense. That's great. One of my favourite parts, and I suppose it's become my favourite part since I've learned more about the, the film, but just after that scene where they all leave, Lisa and Mark are alone together in the room. And a friend walks in and catches them in the act. <laughs> well, that, that actor was actually a late stand-in because it was supposed to be Pete, you know, the guy who's in the tux yeah. with the glasses and he falls over yeah. in the alleyway? Yeah, the psychologist. It was supposed to be him, but the actor ran out of time and he went to work on something else. So they just brought in a, another random person to catch them. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> You'll do. Just makes no sense. <laughs> what are you doing to Johnny? He's a great guy. He's such a great guy. What are you doing? <laughs> all right did you all have a favorite disappearing plot line i'll start you off with my favorite which is the mother declaring that the test results are in and she yeah. definitely has breast cancer yeah. but then it's never mentioned oh, again yeah. <laughs> well it's fine though because lisa's just like it'll be fine don't worry <laughs> yeah. so that's that solved <laughs> yeah the as i mentioned earlier the drug storyline that I assumed was going to tie into it in some way, which I think is why I've in my head canon made it so that that's where Johnny gets the gun, because at least that's something, right? Yeah, but I think that's way too clever. Yeah. It, is, <laughs> it, it would work. Yeah, I think I would have gone with the same thing, the drug storyline with Danny. Mm. Just goes absolutely nowhere. <laughs> it feels like he's going <laughs> to have a nice little subplot, but then nope. No, yeah. he's, he's just a little weirdo that like tries to get threesomes with him. That, that's his one yeah. thing. <laughs> he likes to watch. You look nice today. Can I kiss you? <laughs> and then he's under the fucking sheets with them all of a sudden. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you. <laughs> that actor was 22, so he was older than Lisa, but he My was supposed to be playing God. a teenager. Yeah, yeah, he looks it as well. He looks about 16, doesn't he? Cinemaster, did you have a favourite disappearing plotline? Yeah, it, it's, it's, well, it's, a, it's a disappearing plotline slash character peter they, he starts off and he's a psychologist then he gets yeah. ripped for always playing the psychologist and then that's it he never and he's in playing football in an alleyway and then <laughs> that's, it, that's it gone. <laughs> i thought maybe they're gonna go down the route of trying to like patch it up through a psychologist through his mate or something no <laughs> well, as i said he was supposed to be the one that caught Lisa and Mark at it, but yeah. he didn't have enough time left on the shoot because it ran over and over so far, which was another reason for the spiraling cost. Yeah. Perfectionist, isn't he? It took days and days to film all the fucking sex. Oh, man. <laughs> one that took one of the longest was the scene where Tommy comes out and he says, I did not hit her. I did not. It's bullshit. I did not. And he's got the water in his hand and then he throws it. That scene yeah. took days. Yeah. He couldn't walk and act at the same time. You have seen on the Disaster Artist trailer even when all the crew and the director are saying the line to him verbatim, just doing it in chorus. And they all know it off by heart because he's done it so many times. Does that um, include his his Joker audition? No, I don't think so. Have you seen his Joker audition? Yeah, he just filmed himself, yeah. didn't he? I think that was after Disaster Artist. Yeah. Out, it? Have a look for that. There's some good ones. He does a Shakespeare one in a, in a mall in LA, going down an escalator, dressed in like yeah. oldie worldy dress, good to be or not to be. <laughs> I think he gives. <laughs> it's a very good one too. As I said before that he's on a, a Tim and Eric sketch thing as well. So that's right. Checking out. Yeah. Find it. All right. Finally, favorite lines. 
Gaz, you can start us off. Oh, we've already mentioned a few of them. Mm. Come on, you must have at least two dozen there, surely. Uh, there is a little exchange during the, the fight with the drug dealer, or after the fight with the drug dealer, sorry. Lisa's just going, are you okay, Danny? And he says, I'm okay. And she goes, are you okay? And it's like, <laughs> you said it's okay? What are you going mad about? <laughs> Brilliant. Cinemaster. Do you know chocolate is a symbol of love? Is that Chuck <laughs> Fuck Mike? Yeah. It just says that. Chocolate. And then it's such a good line about 15 seconds later, they say it again. You know, chocolate <laughs> is the symbol of love. His missus says it that time. I was like, oh, what a good line. <laughs> Chuck Fuck Mike. Repeated for the cheap seats. Craig. Well, in what I assume is a, a bit of an autobiographical scene where Johnny is telling his assembled friends kind of the story of his life. He explains why he couldn't get cash out at the YMCA. And he says, well, because it was an out-of-state bank. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked me up for some reason. <laughs> just, a, just such a tedious detail. <laughs> So my favourite, and there's so much to choose from, but is an exchange between Mark and Tommy, or Johnny rather. They're on the rooftop talking about, you know, women in general. Mark says, people are very strange these days. I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it. Beat her up so badly, she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. Johnny puts his arms behind his head and says, what a story, Mark. <laughs> it seems like he finds it quite funny, doesn't it? He finds everything funny. Yeah, it's casual violence. Yeah. This poor girl in the hospital on Guerrero Street. What a story, Mark. He's smiling, yeah. Right, we'll go one more round. Cinemaster. Um, oh, the guy uh, standing next to his missus at the party, he goes, just out of nowhere, mmm, Lisa looks hot tonight. <laughs> and then he pans away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Craig? There's a very Seinfeldian line, which is, uh, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very similar to stuff your sorry's in a sack. <laughs> Gaz? Uh, I quite liked the ending when Tommy, uh, uh, Johnny, sorry, has shot himself in the mouth with a gun, and Lisa just says, is he dead? Are you just like, oh, I think he's pretty obviously dead. There's a huge pool of blood on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not blinking or breathing. My, my final line connects to that. Lisa's hoping that they can finally be together. And Mark says, as far as I'm concerned, you could drop off the earth. And that's a promise. <laughs> Now I'd like to share some thoughts on the movie from our peril pals around the world. So our friends at the podcast Nobody Asked For said that, strictly speaking, the villain is Lisa. Ethically speaking, the villain is Tommy Wiseau for making the film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple of people who said stuff like that. And what I think is Mark is bigger shit than Lisa. I mean, Lisa's kind of a kid, isn't she? She's kind of stupid. I don't think she wants him dead. But Mark's a cunt. <laughs> Dave at Breakfast Club said, Is it bad that I haven't watched it? I'd heard so much about it and seen all the memes that it feels like I don't need to watch it now. And I kind of felt that way going in. I thought, I've seen so much of this. What else am I going to get out of it? And personally, I didn't get anything else out of it, but everyone else did. So maybe don't listen to me and watch it for yourself and decide. It's the kind of film that never stops surprising. So I would recommend a watch. Hmm. Jay from uh, KJNA podcast also said he hasn't seen it. So similar response to Jay, I reckon. Yeah. Just watch it for yourself and, and decide. Craig from What's the Script podcast has also said he's made a point of not watching it and he's worried that it could lead to serious medical issues if you watch the whole thing. <laughs> Craig, get over it. It's worth your time. Chat Tsunami have said it was over when Lisa tore him apart. No coming back from that. <laughs> and if James Dean taught us anything and Tommy Wiseau took anything from him, then yes, we know when you're torn apart. There's no coming back from that. Yeah. Absolutely not. A shattered man. <laughs> Very much so. A husk of his former self. 
demonstrably so. <laughs> I've seen one here from Kevin the Critic, and he says, I think it's a staple of so bad it's good films, but must be watched with others to get the most enjoyment, which I would definitely agree with. I thought the four of us watching this together, we would have been fall on the floor laughing, but probably very tired after watching this film together. <laughs> yeah, when we used to watch films together, especially yeah. films we'd already seen, we spent more time kind of talking about them than we did watching yeah. them quite often. I think we would have had a lot of fun with yeah. this one. And then we would, yeah, we would have just sure. been making each other laugh the whole way through it as well. So, And then that would have been it. We would have just been absolute trembling wrecks at the end of it. Knee trembler. Ooh. Ryan McClellan said, <laughs> The Room is genius. It may be a bad film, but its heart is a man who just wants to surround himself with people that he loves and who love him back. Uh, which I think is similar to your feelings on it, right, Ben? You, you kind of like exactly that. Right, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah. I think that's quite clear and that's what I think makes it connect with so many people. Yeah. If it was just bad, I don't think it would it would have that connection. People wouldn't, you know, watch it again and again and again. There has to be something real there at the heart of it. Yeah. Uh, SP Film Viewers have said it's both phenomenal and terrible at the same time. Of course, my wife Sophie didn't appreciate it, but it made for an entertaining episode at least. So please do listen yes, to SP mm. Film Viewers episode on The Room. Yeah. The top 10 of anything podcast says there are a lot of movies that are bad that were made bad, ironically. The fact that Wiesel made this thinking he was making a masterpiece makes it all the more funny. And, and again, that kind of echoes what you yeah. said, doesn't it? It wasn't cynically made no. to be bad. It's so bad, it's good. That, it just... That's it. It's, yeah. it's authentically okay. bad. So that's why it's at the same time so funny because if somebody was trying to make it, you know, tongue in cheek or particularly badly hilarious, you'd be able to pick it off a mile out and it just wouldn't have the same impact. Yeah. The Collateral Cinema podcast says, Tommy and Greg are the A couple of the patron saints of our podcast. So we say the room is transcendent cinema. Well, and they've also got a gif of Tommy Wizard laughing. So yeah. maybe that's a bit tongue in cheek. Yeah, know. maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Tickets Please said, I think the villain is the best friend, Mark. He could have stopped Lisa any time from doing what she did. And he was super quick to blame her at every turn, which is I completely agree with. He's horrible to both of them, Mark. He's uh, he's a nasty piece of work. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I think they try to lay breadcrumbs to make it seem like he's a bit of a victim. But it just doesn't work no. based on his behaviour. Yeah. Well, thank you to everyone who got in touch. Sadly, we can't feature you all in this section. Otherwise, it would last longer than one of the room's sex scenes. <laughs> if you'd like to share your thoughts on future movies we cover, head over to Twitter at DiabolicalPod and join the conversation. Vile temptress Lisa turns on Johnny, seemingly for no good reason, telling lies and seducing his best friend in order to get away from him. Cinemaster, what did you think of Lisa's plan to rid herself of Johnny and get a new man? She was just, uh, I don't know, she, I don't, I don't, it was just, it, it crashed from one disaster to the next, didn't it? And then she just didn't, she didn't pick a plan and stick with it, she just kept going from one to the other he's beating me i'm pregnant running away with mark and it's like well but one of the others just pick one and stick to it and she didn't <laughs> she didn't so you know she caused the death of a, a very very nice if yet eccentrically dull man <laughs> do you think he was a keeper oh yeah absolutely i'd marry him tomorrow <laughs> should have put a ring on it yeah that's it was lisa diabolical gaz or was she simply misguided uh, I think misguided. I think she's young and a bit silly. Cinemaster's just reminded me about the whole pregnancy gambit that lasts <laughs> yeah. all of about 30 seconds before <laughs> she reveals that, well. <laughs> that she's telling porky pies. <laughs> there is no baby. 30 seconds later. <laughs> Eventually I'll get pregnant and it'll be fine. I think Gambit is an excellent word to describe everything she tries in that film. And Porky Pies. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, she's just uh, pinballing from idea to idea to get away from a guy who everybody tells her is great, who thinks he's great, but um, 
she obviously doesn't concur. So I think she's got a bit grown up to do to, to realise just how fortunate she is to be with such a great guy. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> He's getting a promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Lest we forget. Oh, oh but no, he, he didn't. He did get it. A promotion. He missed out. So the liars. But he'll get a promotion eventually, just like she'll get pregnant eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a lot of money for the bank, so he'll get that promotion one day. <laughs> Craig, what are your thoughts? I think her biggest mistake is imagining that anyone's going to give a shit when she tells them that Johnny's beating her because yeah. no one reacts <laughs> with horror or nobody goes after him. <laughs> nobody confronts him. Hang on, Johnny. Are you he, he complains. I didn't do it. But nobody goes up to him and says, I can't believe you're hitting her yeah. or like kicks his ass or anything. Nobody yeah. cares, apparently. All the people in her life. There's no evidence, though, is there? Because Johnny's word is gospel. Oh, so you think they don't believe her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then what's he so upset about? I don't know. Yeah, this, well, I don't know. we'll never know. <laughs> uh, I'd agree. I think she's Lisa's petulant, and probably if we were to revisit that character ten years later, there'd be a lot of regrets. They should do that. So I think they, she wasn't diabolical. Her plans were wild. I'm going to give her two florets two? of broccoli. Jeez, fair play. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. I was expecting maybe half a floret there. You know, I've not even thought of 0.5 florets. Mm. That's something I'll have to think about. Yeah. Some food for thought there, mm. specifically broccoli. Okay, before we move on to the competition round, we'd like to ask you to take a moment to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on the very platform you are listening on, preferably Apple. It only takes a moment, and it's the best way to help us expand our lovely group of peril pals around the world. Who knows? Maybe we'll all get together in our tuxes for a game of catch one day. This is the part of the show where we compete to see who can come up with the best evil scheme to earn those most holy of holies peril points for the diabolical leaderboard. We'll each share an alternative plan and vote for our favourite at the end. Lisa finally gets her way and rids herself of poor Johnny, but her dreadful behaviour causes him to kill himself, and she is ultimately rejected by Mark. Craig, how would you have gotten rid of Johnny while making sure you ended up with the lovely, lovely Mark? When the response to Lisa's claim that Johnny has hit her ranged from indifference to flat-out defence of Johnny and his stable financial situation, Lisa knows that she needs to step up her game. If there's one thing people will tolerate less than a wife beater, it's a nonce. <laughs> and it's surprisingly easy for Lisa to convince Mark, her mum, and that other guy they know, that Johnny has been, if not fiddling with, at the very least behaving inappropriately around Denny. <laughs> Firstly, Lisa makes sure to leave Johnny's and her bedroom door ajar so that Denny can get an eyeful of their tawdry but spiritless sex. She holds her nose and has several bouts of softcore intercourse with Johnny in full view of his young ward. She tells Johnny she wants to film some private movies of their lovemaking, but places the mirror just so, catching Denny's enthusiastic, onanistic response in the reflection, and later editing copies of the video to focus on him alone. Next, Lisa goads Johnny into taking pictures of Denny while he's using their toilet. For a laugh, she says and then laughs to illustrate to Johnny what she means by that. <laughs> Meanwhile, she uses Johnny's phone to take snaps of Denny eating banana splits, hot dogs, and mini cannoli, <laughs> all seemingly innocent out of context. Finally, she excuses herself to take a shower when only she and Denny are present, making sure to drop the barely-there leopard print thong she'd been wearing in a place where the horny tight can find it, but feel like he's swiped it discreetly. Like, in the wash basket, but peeking through the lid, say. Or, I don't know, draped over a guitar. When things come to light <laughs> later on, the embarrassed Denny clams up when asked where he got hold of Johnny's favourite posing pouch. That's right, the G-string was not Lisa's, but Johnny's all along. All of the other evidence is enough for the group to shun Johnny, and for total cunt Mark to not only disown his best friend, but to console his devastated girl too. I did not fiddle him. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not fiddle him. I did not, protests Johnny to nobody, 
as he finds himself <laughs> alone on the roof before jumping off. <laughs> Very good. So a couple of questions from me. So my first question is, how do you leave a spiral staircase ajar? A door, I said. Yeah, there's no door. It's just a spiral staircase. Yeah. There's so no you, wouldn't need to leave it, you wouldn't need to leave it ajar because it's just oh, a spiral staircase. You can staircase. just have a look anyway. Exactly. I guess leave the leave the uh, the nets on the four-poster bed ajar. Mosquito <laughs> <laughs> nets. <laughs> and then my, my other slight issue is 2003. Were camera phones That's what big I was then? Say, I, think my, yeah. Yeah. I think my phone still had a green screen in 2003. I think it was... No, um, it didn't. I had a camera phone in 2003. 32 tens were still all the rage then, weren't they? No, they weren't. You're thinking of about four years earlier. By that time, I had one of those uh, Sony Ericsson phones, and the the pictures weren't amazing. Half a megapixel. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right. Like the the black at the top and then white at the bottom. Kind of, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I think I had one of them too. Didn't I? All right, yeah, fair the, the pictures were shit. They were like, you know, two meg per image. And they were all blocky and shit, but enough to to get the gist of nonsense. Enough to know what Denny's up to. Yeah. Okay. If there are no further questions for Craig, we shall move on to the Cinemaster. Mom, I found out a terrible secret about Johnny. He's a robot sent back from the future, sent back to <laughs> alter the course of history for one lucky lady. Except, he's a dud. What? What do you mean, Lisa? He's a Terminator? No, Mom. Much worse. He's... He's a Shermanator. He thinks he's cool, but he has these weird lines he thinks are good pickups, but they're not. In fact, he only sleeps with women because they feel sorry for him. That's his power. What? 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 <laughs> it's true! At first I thought his shit clothes that don't fit and his deadpan reaction to everything was cute. But after all this time, it's worn off. He told me the other night, chocolate is a symbol of love. That's when I realized he's a total dork and a Shermanator. Now you mention it, the only reason I like him is for apparently well-paid job that keeps him in those baggy clothes. What can we do? You're going to have to shoot him, Mom. I found a gun in his jewelry box upstairs that he took from the drug dealer for some reason. What? Why do I have to do it? Because <laughs> he suspects me. He keeps doing this shifty things when his eyes when he comes into the flat. I'll blow his <laughs> motherfudging brains out. How much are you going to pay me? Hmm. <laughs> 3.995? Call it four grand. I'll do it. <laughs> With a vengeance! Later on, Johnny comes back with yet more roses and a mixed kebab and chips. As Johnny starts doing something weird in prelude to make lovemaking, he will enact upon Lisa. The mother pops out and shoots Johnny through the left temple, spraying Lisa with blood and brains. Lisa screams and punches her mother, knocking her out cold. She then immediately calls the police in a fake panic. The police get there and find her mother, Sparko, on the floor. And Lisa distressed and covered in blood. Lisa tells them what's happened and says her mum is totally senile and thinks Johnny's a time-travelling robot and that's why she killed him. Her mother wakes and tries to tell the police. Lisa put her up to it, but those sound like the words of crazy old sideshow mother. They immediately lock her up and throw away the key. As Mark consoles Lisa, knowing that it wasn't their affair that drove him to kill himself this time, Mark is free of any guilt and he takes their lukewarm affair to dizzying new heights of mediocrity. <laughs> Beautiful. I'd say that's more concern than the mother showed in the film. <laughs> <laughs> I think the acting was better as well, to be honest. Uh, thanks, yeah. I, I, I thought she was going to bump the mum off at some point because she was like, she's telling me what to do. And I, I was like, yeah. yeah. But I didn't give a anyway. Yeah, that would have been something. Would the police not check up on Lisa's claim that her mother is senile? Would there not be some kind of medical record to that effect? Yeah, they're just shit cops. So they just take the word for it. And then <laughs> when 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 she starts saying, spouting stuff about time-traveling robots and, and shit lovemaking, and she's like, well, yeah, she's obviously crackers. Let's get to the, the loony bins ASAP. Checking <laughs> any of those cops will have seen American Pie. No, no. All these potential... Plot lined your follow ups just like the film. 
they just disappear. Just like, disappears. Oh, the police going to investigate that? No, it, no, she's in clink. That's it. I was thinking that the mother would never pull the trigger, but then I realised, well, she's got nothing to live for because she's dying of breast cancer. So exactly, yeah. it's the final throw of the dice. That's why she's the perfect patsy. She's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about this? Mm-hmm. Your mark, mm-hmm. like all men, you, you're wondering if your missus is going to turn into her mother. Isn't he, Mark going to be too scared to date Lisa, worrying that eventually she's going to think that he's a robot from the future? And uh, that the police won't believe that he isn't, and she'll she'll no, kill him. He, he's he's a very hot young thing that likes to keep his pants on while he's making love. So you know he'll <laughs> have women queue around the block. I dare say, right? <laughs> All right, Kaz. Would you like to share your plan with us? I'd love to. Johnny really is an insufferable tool, despite he and <laughs> insisting that he is the greatest guy since sliced bread. Constantly buying me flowers, mainly so that we can drip drop the petals onto one another as we engage in what he calls sex, but I call him rubbing his dick against my belly welly. (laughs) Bringing along our lovable dipshit of a friend Danny and laughing constantly, seemingly about nothing. That's it. Eureka! Yippee! And other exclamations. I shall simply tell him the funniest jokes on the fledgling internet so that he simply laughs himself into either psychosis or death. (laughs) My weapon shall be the following. Joke one. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I'm not sure, but the flag is a big plus. Joke two. (laughs) Did you hear about the actor who fell through the floorboards? He was just going through a stage... Mm. Joke three. Why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. Joke four. (laughs) Why did the chicken go to the seance to get to the other side? (laughs) Joke five. How does Moses make tea? He brews it. Joke six. (laughs) What do you call a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? A receding hairline. Joke seven. <laughs> Why did the M&M go to school? It wanted to be a smarty. Joke eight. <laughs> How does a rabbi make his coffee? He brews it. Joke nine. <laughs> Joke nine. I poured root beer into a square glass. Now I just have beer. Joke ten. What do you <laughs> oh, God. What do you call a rooster <laughs> staring at a pile of lettuce? A chicken sees a salad. Wait. Joke 11. Oh, How does Jewish singer... <laughs> How does Jewish <laughs> kiss singer Gene Simmons craft homemade mead? <laughs> he brews With my Rob Liefeld style pockets, pockets, pockets stuffed to the brim with these and 97 more jokes, Johnny will be powerless to stop his daft laughing and will break his ribs, i.e. body, and mind, i.e. soul, leaving me and Mark to make the beast with two backs whenever we flip in well, please. (laughs) So just to clarify, you're proposing making Johnny laugh so hard he becomes a vegetable. Yes. Rather like the uh, the weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Ah, okay. He's going to do himself a disservice through his proclivity for laughter. He does look like he's in a lot of pain when he does laugh in this, so I could <laughs> believe that he'd be on his way. <laughs> I think there's better jokes of 2003 than that, to be honest. That ties into my only... I only have one question for Gaz, and that mm. is, what are the other 97 jokes? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, come uh... on. My life is finite. Let's not go through them. <laughs> uh, um, no, I, I, that was a joke. Oh. And how many of them have a punchline that is he brews it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's a good one to three ratio, I think. It's too good to not reuse. That yeah. was very good. Here's one liner for you. I got an A in philosophy last semester by proving that my professor doesn't exist. What? I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I got an A in philosophy. You don't need to repeat it. We all heard it. Okay. Yeah. Copy editing is a very stressful line of work. Every time one of us misses a period, 
we get really nervous. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's an American Mm. joke. 2003 was a shit year, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Shit year for jokes. (laughs) All right, well, if there are no further questions for Gaz, I will bring us home in a manner befitting an insane podcast. What kind of money? Screams Lisa (laughs) as she shakes some much-needed sense into Denny. He's a bad man. You shouldn't have anything to do with him. Who knows what he might be capable of? A wicked smile creeps across her face as she leaves the rooftop. That night, she tells Johnny how badly she feels for Chris R., the drug dealer who pointed a gun at young Denny. He deserves a second chance. Not everyone is as fortunate as we are, Johnny. Let's post his bail. You can afford it. Anything for my princess, laughs Johnny. The next day, they go to the police station and get Chris R. out of jail. As they walk home, explaining to the street tough the error of his ways, Johnny suddenly remembers he has an important meeting with a client that will make the bank a lot of money. Take care of my future wife, laughs Johnny, as he climbs into his cream Mercedes. Once Lisa and Chris R. are alone, she explains her devious plan. As a gun-toting criminal, Chris R. is happy to accept her reasonable terms although revenge for putting him in prison is more than enough motivation. That night, as Lisa and Johnny are making never-ending love, a muscle-bound figure in a vest and balaclava runs up the spiral staircase. It's none other than Chris R. in disguise. He grabs Johnny by his dyed black hair and knocks him out with the butt of his gun. When Johnny wakes, he finds himself in a dark room tied opposite a woman with blonde hair. Lisa? laughs Johnny. No, it's Michelle. Lisa's best friend who occasionally uses Johnny's apartment to engage in sexual activity with her boyfriend, Mike. Michelle explains that she was also bonked on the head during intercourse. Hey, we got a lot in common, don't you? laughs Johnny. (laughs) I guess we have, says Michelle, luxuriating in every tingle emanating from her groin as she stares into Johnny's wealthy eyes. Thrust together in such extreme circumstances, it's only natural that Johnny and Michelle quickly fall in love. I love you and will make you my future wife, laughs Johnny. Michelle gasps a breathy gasp and shifts in her seat, a smile of intense pleasure dancing across her lips. Chris R, of course, is watching, and when he sees this, he demands $50 ransom from Johnny, who pays from a brass money clip in his pocket. He then releases them. Anything for my captor, laughs Johnny. That night, racked with guilt, Johnny tells Lisa that he's fallen for Michelle and that she is the one who will be his future wife. Lisa tells Johnny that she's heartbroken, but she understands. What a story, Lisa, laughs Johnny, as she packs her (laughs) silky negligees and leaves. (laughs) The next day, at Johnny and Michelle's wedding, Lisa and Mark reveal that they are now an item. Johnny is delighted. He is getting married, and Mark's sex life has become much healthier. It will be several days before the police discover Mike's lifeless body in his Honda Civic at Makeout Point. The engine running and a garden hose running from the tailpipe. Wait, Mike? Michelle's boyfriend. He's the only one that ended up without a girl, so he just kills himself. (laughs) Chuck fuck Mike. Chuck fuck Mike. (laughs) He thinks that chocolate is a symbol of love. Yeah. Okay. It's foolproof, I think. Yeah. Would Chris R not feel any kind of loyalty to the guy who bailed him out? At least we'll explain that it uh, it was actually her that convinced him. Would maybe Chris R try and extort more money from her to uh, keep quiet? He he might do, but then he'll just go, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Some truly diabolical schemes there. Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had the Cinemasters, Miss Seniality, Craig's Nonsense, Gaz's Stand-Up Smackdown, and my Triangular Love Shape. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the leaderboard. No more, come on guys, but certainly no less. Oh, you're getting good at that. Craig, who have you voted for? Well, it was real close for me. I almost voted for you, but I think Chris is too unpredictable, so... I went with Gah. Ah. 
laugh Whoa. to death. Oh yeah, there you go. Just Ga, who did Hugh vote for? Funnily enough, I voted for Craig because oh. everybody hates a pedo, mm. don't they? Oh, boo, hiss. Oh, God. Boo, wow. he's a pedo. And Cinemaster, who have you voted for? Well, I have voted for yourself. Ah, well deserved, well deserved. And who have I voted for? I have voted for Gwaz. Ah, very good, very good. And I, I voted for him specifically for the he brews it joke. Yeah, yes. so I hadn't been in yeah. there. It was recycled very well. It got better each time. <laughs> yeah. Rule of three, baby. All right, so Gaz, what does that do to the diabolical leaderboard? Not too much change in terms of standings. In the lead with 15 points is Craig. Second place with 13 points is the Cinemaster. Third place with 11 points is myself. And bringing up the rear with nine points is Ben. All right. So it's like two points apart for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Ooh. Cinemaster, you will be hosting next week. I will. Breathe deeply. Connect with the inner you and tell us what we'll be watching. Well, next week we shall be watching the film that features... The villain who I am characterised by in our diabolical artwork, which is Flash, ah, Flash Gordon. Ah. Flash. I reckon it's been at least three decades since I've seen that. Should be a humdinger. Well, that's it for another episode. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. But most importantly, leave us that all-important review and tell your friends about us. We love producing this podcast for our precious peril pals, Planet Wide. And we also love alliteration. <laughs> for more nonsense and movie trivia throughout the week, follow us on the social medias at DiabolicalPod. And join us next time when we'll be discussing Flash Gordon. And remember, you're my favourite customer.